Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. Obviously, if all seniors had the option, they would be living at home, but sometimes that isn't always possible. Well, guess what? That is where Texan Senior Residential Care Homes comes into the picture. Texan specializes in making its facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. I'm talking full living room, kitchen, dining room, cable TV, music, games, fireplace, you name it. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes has it. They've even got home-cooked meals by experts. It's an extra throw-in. Not only that, there are no move-in fees, no visitation restrictions, so your loved ones are free to stop by and visit anytime they please. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes are located at I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more info, you can call 469-400-7650. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Justin Thomas, Denton County Sports Editor, as well as Taylor Raglan, who does sports for the Plano Star Courier, Allen American, and Lake City Sun. And gentlemen, week one of the high school football season is in the books, so let's react. Overreact, underreact, however we want to react. We all got to see how the whole season's going to go now. We got to see, uh, yeah, we got to see, uh, you know, a couple games apiece last week, so we got at least a a cursory look at the uh, the teams that we're going to be covering throughout the season. Like you said, it's just one game, so what we saw last week is by no means a, uh, a a wholesale you know, indictment on what to expect out of these teams for the entire season, but there's no fun in just saying yeah. that, so let's just let's take a look at what um, what we saw last week, you know, whether um, whether there are any trends that we saw from our games that we feel like might, you know, be more uh, more than just a one-game sample size. Let's just, yep. get, let's just react to what we saw in opening week. We were just watching on Twitter um, well, we've got a lot of high school football left, but we might have already seen the catch of the year yeah. <laughs> out of the uh, out of the Plano East LD yeah. Bell game, uh, a one-handed catch the likes of which you just don't see at any level of football. You know, pro college high school man, yeah. Jalen Anderson had a uh, had a highlight that went pretty viral with the with a two-point conversion catch that he made in the corner of the end zone. Taylor, did you kind of realize in the moment you were at this game? Did you realize in the moment just what the heck happened with that catch? Um, actually, not really, because it's it's almost funny watching him. Um, it's it's. It's not expected, I guess, to see catches like that, but you don't react in the moment. And I was, I think I was, because they ran that play almost immediately after they scored. They scored and they lined up for the two point conversion and went almost immediately. So I think I was recording the touchdown stat or whatever, and I looked up right at the tail end. And I, I, you know, I could see him in the back of the end zone with the ball, and, and I heard the explosion of, of people and just the, the ooing and aahing and, and everything. So, you know, I, I caught a, a bit of it, but going back and looking at the video, it was it was pretty ridiculous. And it's funny because that one overshadows another really good <laughs> a good catch for a two-point conversion he had in the back of the end zone. I don't know why they they don't do that just every time because, you know, they, they have trouble kicking the extra point, so they go for two more often than not. And if I were them, I would literally just line up and say, like, you could tell the defense. Guess what? I'm throwing it to Jalen Anderson in the back corner for two, 
and you're probably not going to be able to stop it if it's anywhere close to him. And if, so. he can, if he can catch a pass like that, <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, I mean, where's like, the what are the where's the ceiling? Yeah. So what? Um, you know, we're just here talking on a podcast. I guess we could try to do the best we can to describe just what happened with this catch. It was the most literal one-handed catch you could have. His other hand never touched the football when he caught it. It was a one-handed yeah, he catch. Didn't, he didn't corner the ball. No, point the ball or anything goes. So he's running in the. It's a, it's spread in the corner of like the right side of the field. So he's lining up on the right side. You know, of uh, of Brandon Mallory, his quarterback, and. And when he catches the pass, it's not like because the the obviously the benchmark for every one-handed catch is the Odell Beckham catch a few yeah. years ago against the Cowboys. But whereas like with that catch, Beckham was facing the football, like falling back, stretches yeah. his arm out. For this, Jalen Anderson, like his back in his side yeah. is facing. He didn't turn around. And his really arm to was at full extension. Like his left arm was just full, full extension. And it's almost like if you've seen the Sandlot. When when Benny tells Small, just put your <laughs> hand up and I'll hit it. It was almost like that. Like he just raised his hand up and he just he just like accepted the football and it just stuck to his hand in a way that should not happen. I know. I, I'm guessing Jalen Anderson's eyes weren't closed like Small's was in that clip. <laughs> right. But I mean, with that catch, it wouldn't surprise me if he could catch a, <laughs> right. catch a pass like that blindfolded or whatnot. See, it's like his hand was when he reaches up, he uses his left hand to catch it first off. I don't know if he's lefty or a righty. So that's I mean that obviously makes it even more impressive yeah. if he's already using his arm. Offhand to catch the football, but he his hand was facing was facing outward. So I mean, it's just such a you have to like contort your body at such an yeah. odd angle just to even make that play, and just to yeah, it's like it's like there was, there was a magnet in his yeah, <laughs> in, in his stuck. Like, there yeah. was no there was no bobble or bounce or it, like it just like it just stuck oh, like yeah. it was just it was meant to be there. That's it found its home like, and it was it wasn't going like anywhere. His hands are either the size of skillets or he's just got incredible grip strength to be able to just to maintain that because he doesn't he doesn't bring in the second hand at all to touch the ball. He just he's basically holding it above his head for a couple seconds like the Statue of Liberty and yeah. I mean just a just a terrific terrific catch and yeah I mean it's a highlight that went just absolutely you know viral one of the uh, one of the best catches that I'm sure yeah. we'll see all, all yeah. season at the high school level um, Taylor I mean beyond just obviously that incredible highlight yeah. I mean it sounds like there were plenty of highlights for Plano East in their first game yeah I mean that's a trend that I feel uh, I feel confident in going ahead and saying that's going to continue this season just the Plano East passing attack in general mm-hmm. you, you know they they had the 42-14 win over LD Bell um, just you know, a, a tremendously effective passing game, and all basically on big plays, which is is something that you know you want to say a team can't survive on on big explosive plays, and you want to say that that's not sustainable. But for this team, I honestly think it is. Like I think it's just you know if you look back at their TDs, I'm going through the stats right now. Josh Allison, 57 yard touchdown pass. Braylon Henderson, 46 yard touchdown pass. Jalen Anderson, 47 yard touchdown pass. You know, just the 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 length of their plays. And, and granted, the LD Bell defense probably isn't the best they'll see this year. Um, but the, the the familiarity in that passing game, um, the skill of Brandon Mallory, he throws a really pretty ball. All the receivers are talented. You know, if you if you worry too much about Jalen Anderson, put two guys on Jalen Anderson, then Josh Allison or Braylon Henderson or any number of guys is going to be open for, yeah. you know, 70 yards. Um, which literally the, the first touchdown for them this week was a 70-yard pass to Josh Allison. So it's just... It's it's gonna I think come down to East and this is something I said before the season started. If they can hold teams under twenty one, hell even twenty eight points maybe, and and they're gonna win a lot of football games just based on how incredible that passing attack is. And they attack you from so many angles. And I think the thing that, that Joey McCall was um, most happy with after that game, talking to him and talking to um, 
Coach Glaze, I believe is his last name, at LD Bell. Um, they were they were pretty balanced. It's surprising when you see 42-14 and you see all those long passing um, touchdowns, but but those were set up off of a, a, a decent running game. Um, Trey Scott Jones, I think, had a, a solid game, and they did enough with the running game to where if you overcommit, you know, to the receivers and you put all your best guys out wide and, and say, okay, they're not going to get a 50-yard touchdown, okay, we'll just hand it off and, and drive that way. And then as soon as you stack the box again, somebody's going for 50, 60, mm-hmm. 70 yards up the sideline and, and you're you're beat. So I think McCullough was happy with, with the offense as a whole, and I think that that's certainly a trend that, that we can expect to continue. They're going to be one of the best offenses in the area. They're going to be explosive all year, and, and I think if their defense can continue to – you know, hold teams to 14, 21 points. They're going to have a lot of a lot of success and and beating teams by by a lot of points, probably more often than not. So I'm uh, in in what two weeks. I am very anxious to see how Plano is yeah. up against Saxy. I think yep. that is a very much a nice little litmus test for what to expect out of that yep. heading into district team that you saw, Justin, mm-hmm. against Capel. It was one of the best games of the uh, uh, you know within the area in week one. Um, just uh, what were your initial impressions on Saxy? I know you. I mean, this is probably your first time seeing them. I'm guessing, but that was a program that. Came into this year, you know, no one was really sure what to you know expect out of them with just yeah. having the uh, you know one of the I mean, the best year in school history. They lost mm-hmm. a lot of college caliber talent, but it sounds like they've bounced back pretty well. Yeah, um, I guess my first impression is kind of I don't think they're still settled at quarterback replacing yeah. Jalen Maiden. Um, uh, Anthony Beltran started the game. Third series, they go to um, Xavier Foreman, and he comes in and. Kind of picks up the offense a little bit, but mm-hmm. then he gets injured, and Beltran comes back in and actually leads them on a go-ahead drive, touchdown drive in the mm-hmm. last minute. Um, for those that don't know, Saxy was winning uh, this game twenty-eight to twenty-seven, and Coppell won on a fifty-seven-yard field goal as time expired. I'll get you a job uh, with the Cowboys. A&M, apparently, A&M commit Caden Davis. We'll get get to that in a little bit, but yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so Beltran comes back in, leads them on the go-ahead touchdown drive. So some, saw some good things. But uh, talking to Coach Red Barons after the game, it sounds like that starting spot is still very much in the air, and they're going to kind of use both of them throughout the non-district here and hope to peg a starter by the uh, uh, district start of districts. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of my f- first initial impression, but lots of talent still there in Saxe. Playmakers on the defense. Um, yeah, Mike Coach. Buchanan uh, had a nice one-handed interception and then ran it 100 yards. He looks – I mean, he's not a defensive back, and he was moving. And then um, – Obviously, their running game still looked pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, plenty of playmakers still over there, but we'll see how that quarterback position kind of plays out for them mm-hmm. over these next couple weeks. Obviously, Capel had plenty of you know plenty to take away from that game as Absolutely, well. Just talk yeah. about the Cowboys. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the coolest moments I've had working here was mm-hmm. that game-winning kick. Caden um, Davis missed an extra point. I mean, you hate to call a guy out, but you can't kind of beat around it. It's part of the story now. You know, missed an extra mm-hmm. point in overtime in the third round of the playoffs last year to kind of. Um, contribute to this Coppell season ending there. So very first game, Coppell, or Saxe goes ahead with like 30 seconds left. Um, Coppell kind of nickel, gets a good return from KJ Liggins, gets out to about the 40, and they kind of just nickel and dime their way to the Saxe 40. One second left, Liggins gets a catch, gets out of bounds, one second left at the 40-yard line, kind of wondering if they're going to try the game-winning field goal, 57-yarder. Saxe takes a timeout, and they run Caden Davis back out there, and he just bombs it. Didn't According to him, he thought he got under it a little bit. Didn't even think he caught it fully, but he had enough. Probably could have been good for maybe 60. Wow. And then, so obviously the Coppell sideline goes crazy. Yeah. Coach Mike DeWitt kind of couldn't contain, contain his emotions after the game. Mm-hmm. He was balling a little bit, trying to get his words together. Just 
feeling so good for this kid. It was just a real cool, cool moment. So that was a lot of fun. A great way to start mm. the season. Outside of that, uh, plenty more. Coppell lost their, you know, three-year starter, Brady McBride, their quarterback. So Drew Sterniglia gets the start over uh, EH transfer, Taj Gregory. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I think second player of the game, they get a long touchdown run. Then Saxy muffs the kickoff. So Coppell is knocking on the door again, and Sterniglia throws that pick six. So kind of worried his first pass, you know, intercepted back the other way. But then he rallied around that, came back. I think he completed his next nine completions. Wow. So really kind of settled down after that. Finished the game 20 of 25, 150 yards, touchdown. So uh, pretty efficient, really kind of settled in. And then, you know, first start ever, you're winning the whole game. All of a sudden you're losing with 30 seconds left, and he comes right back and leads him right 20 mm-hmm. yards right into field goal range for that game winner. So pretty pretty impressive. Coppell's offensive line looks completely legit. Ryan Hurts had 100 yards. He had some big holes to go through, so obviously playmakers at the receivers. And the other thing that kind of jumped out to me is just the creative ways they're getting K.J. Liggins and Jonathan McGill the ball. Okay. Um, so yeah. those guys are going to have a lot of touches in addition to being studs on the defensive side. A team that you're going to see later on this week that I actually got to see in their season opener, uh, Hebron. And it's, um, you know, Hebron was able to uh, avenge a, a run of two consecutive season opening losses to Plano in this one in equally just crazy down-to-the-wire fashion as last year. You know, mm-hmm. when they, uh, you know, when Hebron lost on a, on a botched extra point, well, it was Plano that, you know, had struggles on special teams on Thursday and Hebron was able to, uh, you know, capitalize and won 28 to 20. You're going to get to see Hebron, though, a different Hebron team than I saw. Because yeah. while we spent, uh, you know, this was the game of the week last week and certainly lived up to the billing. It was a terrific, terrific game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we spent all this time talking about, well, what are we going to, what to make out of Carson Harris and how's he going to yeah. do his first start? What's Hebron going to, how much of a workload is he going to have? And then it turns out that uh, Coach, that he was, he was just, he didn't play in the game. Yeah. Afterwards, uh, you know, Coach Brazel declined comment on what exactly the reasoning was behind that. He did say that it was just a one-week thing and that Carson Harris is going to start against Arlington Martin mm-hmm. um, on, uh, you know, on Friday. So you'll get to see, you know, kind of uh, the real Hebron, so yeah. to speak, and kind of the Hebron that, you know, we're kind of expecting yeah. to see all season long. Gets a very tough opponent, that oh, yeah. Westlake, too. No, yeah, Martin's, uh, yeah, Martin is no joke. It was on, you do kind of wonder, though, in games like that, because it sounds like based on, you know, not having Harris, they have to kind of, you know, trick up the, uh, you know, the play calling a little bit they did a lot of uh, a lot of direct snaps out of the backfield to Trajan Bridges their stud wide receiver so unlock potentially a nice little uh, whether it's like a goal line package or something yeah. they can call upon just to kind of throw a different wrinkle into things because I mean we've all seen what a dynamic playmaker Trajan Bridges is when the ball's in his hands so if you can yeah. just find you know I mean he carried the ball 13 times against Plano so yeah. if you can find a way to get the ball in your hands of your most dynamic playmaker more often then it can only benefit you yeah. Um, but yeah I mean just a nice uh, but also just a nice you know thing going forward for them just Knowing that you know what their backup quarterback Alex Haltom gave them, um, just the confidence that you take away, knowing that you beat yeah. a team like Plano that has had your number in recent years, mm-hmm. and you beat them with your backup quarterback. You know, on Plano's end, you know that's you know a little bit. I'm not sure. I guess I wonder if Plano knew in advance about the whole Carson Harris thing because I'm guessing yeah. probably not. But you know, because you wonder how much of an effect that might have had yeah. on just when you see you know. Not like they had a bunch of tape on either guy. To true, that is true. For anyway, but yeah, because I guess the whole Trajan Bridges Wildcat package thing yeah. was that. I mean, was that a? Did you see? that at all no. last year? Uh, no, I didn't. I can pull up the stats from last year, but I don't recall him running. Because it sounds like it sounded like a fairly new wrinkle into what they were throwing out. Yeah. So I mean, that's you know that'll catch a team by surprise, and they really had no answer for it. I mean, he averaged you know uh, I want to say like six you know six six and a half yards per carry. Yeah. In a very a very solid game with Plano. I mean, they uh, you know Plano's running game was was lights out. Kyron Cumby, you know, averaging seventeen yards per carry one game into the season. He had two hundred and forty yards on fourteen carries. I mean, it's just. 
it's just yeah. crazy seeing a running back that once he you give him just a sliver of daylight and then once he finds that hole he is he is gone I mean he had some long I think I, I'm trying to remember what I said in the uh, you know in my post game podcast I want to say he had six runs of like you know 20 you know 22 yards or more. I mean, just impressive, impressive stuff from Kyron Cumbie. Um, one of the big developments though, coming off that game, and this will kind of segue into you know. Real my quick, going, going back, look, Bridges only had two carries last there year. There you go. So it was brand new. Those were more end around jet sweeps. Yeah, it was brand new then. Yeah. Nice little wrinkle though. I mean, instead of if you just unlock something just kind of out of you know circumstance, because they wanted to find a different option for their uh, for their running game, because Harris sounds like he's more of a you know he can you know run a bit more kind of like Clayton Tune yeah. did last year. So without having that uh you know that element, they wanted to you know just throw a different wrinkle into their run game. So it wasn't just Jalen Lott, Jalen yeah, Lott, Jalen right. Lott, and it worked. Um, one thing, though, coming out of that from uh, from Plano's side was that they had an injury at a quarterback. Um, Cole Winnett in the last play of the first half got um, you know took a rough hit going out of bounds, and um, he was sidelined for the entire second half. Um, you know, just wanted to provide an update on that. Um, there was talk afterwards. You know, Coach McCullough you know speculated it was either a concussion or a, you know it was a it was a shoulder injury or whatnot. So um, as of now, we're recording this on uh, on Tuesday. You know, Coach McCullough said that you know. Uh, Cole Winnett went through the uh, you know the concussion protocol. He didn't practice on Monday, but he does anticipate him being able to go for Friday's game against um, El Paso Eastwood. Um, you know, did say it was a bit of a bruised shoulder and whatnot, but right now, you know, we'll see if anything else comes up that might change that. But as of now, Winnett is on track to start um, against a uh, an out of an out of area opponent. First ever matchup between Plano and, uh, and El Paso Eastwood. You know, for folks who want to get a get a look at a team that you know you just. You know, one of their, uh, I guess, the first ever uh, regular season game against a Dallas area opponent, and should be. It's they they run a really really fast up tempo offense. They average around 80 snaps a game. Should be a much uh, you know, a nice uh, nice little uh, a much different opponent than players accustomed to seeing on uh, on Friday nights. Um, that was my Thursday game on Friday. Um, Allen does not look like a team that's playing its first game of the season. They looked just absolutely. How many dominant. minutes did we waste to talk about or talking about how Allen might start the year slow? This might be a game that. I mean, there's precedent though. I know. And just, yeah, yeah, you feel they like just a, go out and look like world yeah, beaters. I feel like a dope talking about how Allen you know, had come out of the gates a little bit slow on offense. At least the defense is just it's their. I mean, they were their usual lights out self to start the year. But the offense, you know, there's no slouch. No, it's not a bad football yeah, team. There's no getting around that they had averaged. I think uh, with the numbers like twenty, you know, twenty-four points yeah. and. You know, 280 yards of offense. You know, this is a program that you know, traditionally averages in the 40s yeah. and <laughs> for points per game, and you know, 300 to 400 yards per game. So, I mean, yeah, Plano. I mean, Allen has started the year slow on offense the past two seasons. They did not sl- uh, start slow on offense against Horn. They were just outstanding. Um, however, there was another injury-related note with um, you know with them running back Andrew Henry making his debut for um, you know for Allen. A, uh, you know, we talked a lot about you know him coming over from you know, the Episcopal School of Dallas and just what that might inject into their backfield. Um, he touched the ball just five times before getting injured early in the third quarter. Within those five touches, he had 92 total yards of offense, including a 39-yard touchdown run and a 21-yard touchdown run in the first half. Um, just the physicality that he runs with was just, I mean, he was taking on Horn's, <laughs> Horn's defense head-on and just barreling through them. He had 92 yards. He might have had 92 broken tackles in just those five touches. He was just, the physicality and toughness that he ran with was something else. 
else. Um, it was just, yeah, it was very, very impressive. But he, um, you know, he did get uh, dinged up on a, uh, as he was being tackled after catching, I want to say it was a swing pass early in the third quarter. Um, there's been some speculation as to what exactly the injury was. After the game, he was on crutches, had his left knee, you know, wrapped up. So it is something knee-related, which, you know, gives you some concern as to what, um, yep. as to what ligament, you know. Those it, are important for running backs. Yes. <laughs> so um, as of now, you know, having spoken with Coach Gamble earlier today, um, he said Andrew is getting an MRI today that will determine the official diagnosis. Um, he said they were looking into the ACL, you know, which is obviously the big one, so you hope it's nothing serious. Absolutely. I mean, you never want to, you know, you never want any, any high school athlete or any athlete, period, to have their season go up and smoke like that. So hopefully it's nothing, you know, nothing too serious for Andrew. He is not going to play Friday, though, against, um, they're playing, a, you know, an out-of-state team, East High School out of Utah. Um, he's not going to play Friday. That's for sure been determined. So um, as a result, East. Hmm? East. <laughs> <laughs> As a result, um, Selden Manning, uh, who started running back for Allen um, against Horn, he'll, once again, he'll obviously take up that same mantle. I mean, they'll bump up, it's just the next man on mentality. The third, uh, you know, the third running back on the depth chart, Jordan Johnson, just a sophomore, but he's in line for a, you know, for a bigger workload with, um, for however much time Andrew Henry misses. So, we shall, um, we shall see. I mean, it's, you know, he had a heck of a debut. I was trying to think of, you know, how many running backs in Allen's, you know, history have had a, just a, a first game as, as impressive as Andrew Henry showed there because it was I mean just some some highlight reel runs and such a yeah. such a limited just offering up just a glimpse as to what could be if you know if they're right. able to you know if he's able to come back and is able to maintain you know just the kind of the kind of play that he showed right. in the first game because like you said Horn is no slouch no, this is not I mean that's a good football team I was um, I've seen Allen you know shut teams out in the past but it's usually teams that aren't like you know yeah. in the playoff mix and you know might be last place in the district Horn is one of the better teams in the Metroplex a team that won its district last year is expected to contend for a district title this year, went two rounds deep in the playoffs. That is a consistently strong program, yep. and Allen just had their way with them. Very, very impressive stuff. Um, so let's segue now. We talked about Caden Davis, one of the uh, one of these standout athletes just across um, across all our markets with that momentous kick and obviously the cool backstory to it. Well, um, Caden Davis was the subject of our student athlete spotlight this week, and I was out of Capel High School yesterday to catch up with Caden as he talked a bit about his momentous kick, just Capel season, and more. And we will get to that after a word from this sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, if you need it painted, ATD painting has got you covered. At ATD painting, their goal is to provide a home improvement experience that is a great value, trouble-free, and enjoyable. And painting is really just kind of scratching the surface as to what they uh, as to what these appointments entail. For ATD painting's interior projects, things like painting, wall repair, ceiling repair, they'll make sure that your floors and furniture protected and that everything is all cleaned up afterwards. For exterior projects, not only will they do the painting, but they will hand scrape loose paint, reattach loose boards, recalk windows or doors, plus much more. Not only that, if you visit their website right now, atdpainting.com, you can find a coupon for $200 off a complete exterior purchase. Um, once again, ATD Painting. They've got four locations in the Metroplex, including in Plano and Louisville. For more information, call 972-694-8888 or visit atdpainting.com. That is ATD Painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. This is Matt Welch with Star Local Media out of Capel High School for a chat with Capel kicker Caden Davis. Caden, who was fresh off a 57-yard game-winning field goal last week to lift Capel to a season-opening victory against Saxe. Caden, 
first off, thanks for taking the time to join us. Congratulations on a on a pretty momentous kick for you last week. Thank you. So, um, I mean, you've had a few days to let it all, you know, kind of sink in. I'm um, just talk a bit about what is the uh, what's the aftermath been like on the heels of one of the uh, one of the biggest kicks of your career. Um, the past few days, I still feel like I'm about to wake up from a dream. Um, every kicker kind of dreams of an opportunity like that, and to be able to seize it and win win the first game was a great feeling for the whole team. So, uh, just kind of taking me back to Friday, just um, as you're as you're trotting onto the field, getting ready to line up for that kick. Um, just kind of what's going through your mind? Um, I was really just excited. I wasn't really nervous at all. Um, I just knew it was a great opportunity to be able to redeem myself for last season and just help our whole team get a win. So um, everything from the snap to the hold to the kick itself, just kind of talk a bit about the execution of that play and just how did you kind of feel in the moment that it all went? Yeah, um, the snap and hold couldn't have asked for anything better. It was, it was perfect and then just got the kick away and saw it go up and we just waited from there. Did you know, like, how soon into the kick did you realize that it was going to have the distance to, to make it? I didn't know until I saw the people behind the field goal going crazy because I got under a little bit and it was spinning fast against the wind, so I, I couldn't tell if it was going to be short or not, but had just enough. Now, is that your, is that your first ever game-winning field goal kick? Yes, it is. Is that the longest field goal that you've ever converted in a game? Yes, sir, it okay. is. Now, um, now let's just, just for context's sake, like without, you know, without a defense or whatnot, if you're just going through warm-ups, just what kind of distance can you get on those kicks? Um, if I'm kicking good, I can normally hit around 65, but that's that's on a good day okay it was obviously not just a you know an emotional moment for yourself or the team Sorry. and whatnot um you know your head coach was also pretty overcome with emotion afterwards as well um what was your um you know your first exchange with coach dewitt like after making that kick it was pretty emotional for sure because we both went through the same thing last season and now we're going through this together and it was, it's definitely very emotional and happy a happy ending or Happy start for the season, I guess. You've mentioned um, last season, obviously. Um, just talk a bit about, you know, thinking back to, you know, last year's game against Cedar Ridge. Just how did you kind of work past that? Just what was it like having to kind of put that memory on the back burner? Um, I really just used the outcome of that game as an opportunity. And just that was kind of w- what put me through all offseason, what I was thinking about. And just being given this opportunity in the first game back was really a blessing. And to be able to just take advantage of it and all my hard work went to something for sure. Talk a bit about just on your offseason, which is what kind of work you put in to get ready for, uh, for the season. Well, all offseason we did our lifting and running, and then um, I just would normally kick about every other day, and that's kind of what I did during the offseason. Yeah. Um, so you, know, you talked about you know, the work that it took to put last season you know, in, the, you know, in the past. Just um, how, um, yeah, how much of a confidence boost do you take away from you know, your first big opportunity of this season to come through the way that you did on Friday? I think it is a big confidence boost for sure. Um, going into the next couple games, I think the whole special teams or field goal unit as a whole will be confident and just the offense having confidence that if we got on the other half of the field that we can score points. That uh, that kick went uh, went pretty viral on the internet. I mean, a lot of I mean, social media blew up. I mean, there were a lot of national media outlets that were you know writing about it. Just what kind of a, what does that mean to you? Just to see the kind of attention that that uh, that that play got. I mean, it's it's definitely exciting to see all that go on. But I mean, it's not the not the most important thing about mm-hmm. what happened. I'm just glad that um, I could get, help our team win and just yeah. And uh, before I let you go, I mean, obviously this is your last year, you know, kicking here at Capel before you go off to do the same at uh, Texas A&M. Um, just talk a bit about just um, what are you, just kind of expectations that you've set for yourself this season and just what you want to get out of your senior year. 
I really just want to be able to do the best I can and help my team win and just really have a fun last year with all of my good friends. Awesome, Caden. Well, hey, I appreciate you for taking the time to chat with us. Yes, sir. Capel continues their season later on this week on Friday against LD Bell. Caden will be out there kicking. So, Caden, appreciate you for taking the time to chat, and uh, that'll just about do it. Thank Back you. Back to y'all. Thanks again to Caden Davis for taking the time to chat for our student athlete spotlight. So in the meantime, we have subbed in Brian Murphy, who's here to talk about some uh, some of the schools in his neck of the woods. Brian, who does sports for our Frisco Little um, and Salina papers. Um, Brian, I mean, you began a uh, you began your day with a fairly uh, fairly lopsided game, <laughs> um, whether it was you know watching what Salina did to Memorial or just whatever else happened in the neck of your woods, man. Just what were some initial reactions from what you saw in Week One? Well, it was kind of expected. I mean, that wasn't the only blowout that we saw. You know, we'll get to some of those a little later. I kind of wish I would have, you know, checked out Little Elm against Justin Northwest. That one went into, went into double overtime. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. We yeah, have Salina against Memorial. Poor Warriors. Uh, <laughs> they opened up their first ever varsity game ever. You know, they're nowhere to go but up. They opened yeah. their doors, you know, this month or August, last month, you know, for the first time ever, you know, pulling kids in from Heritage, Wakeland, Lone Star. Never had a football program before this past spring, and then they got to play Salina. Granted, they are 4A. Their enrollment numbers are about half of what Memorial is, but just it was just uh, it was rough from from the very beginning of the game. I'm not even going to recap that game. <laughs> it was a 54 nothing blowout. But you know, you, like you just said, you got to start somewhere. You know, just get your feet wet, jump right in. Uh, so and that's a tough draw. I mean, that's one yeah. of, that's one of the like premier yeah. <laughs> class four A programs in the state. So. That's one of those yeah. programs where yeah, they're four A, but it they're not. I mean, they could beat a lot of other five A yeah, teams. That's so, a very Memorial very good has to go team. play Independence. First go Independence. You know, a team that made the playoffs two years ago won a playoff game two years ago, mm-hmm. and then I was looking ahead at their schedule. I said, like, man, when is Memorial going to have a chance for to get a win? And their third game is against Lovejoy. So not going to happen there. Lovejoy is, you know, probably better than Salina. Um, No offense to Salina, but yeah. So it might be an 0-3 start for Memorial heading into district play. But yeah, Salina looked really good, Uh, regardless of who they were playing. You know, they rolled out uh, Hunter Watson at quarterback. They wanted to play Travis Radke. They wanted to use two different quarterbacks Mm -hmm. in that game, but Travis Radke dealing with a little minor injury. Head coach Bill Elliott told me, you know, no reason to, no need to, you know, to play Radke out there when, if they didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And so that the game was never in doubt. Logan Point, um, Salina's running back. He's a monster. He's only a junior. Uh, took over the starting role midway uh, through the year last year, and he's just a beast. Had three touchdowns uh, in this game, and he's he's going to be a problem for the rest of 4A uh, as the season comes along. But another team that's starting off their first ever varsity uh, football, Lebanon Trail, they get their mm-hmm. first win uh, to start the year, to start Woo-hoo! their inaugural season. Mm-hmm. They beat Fort Worth Southwest 28-14. Mm-hmm. Not quite the opponent that Salina is, but you know, still you know something to hang your hat on. You know, start. Well, you got to start somewhere. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and then you get a win to yeah. your very first varsity game. Granted, they were eight and three in JV last year, so mm-hmm. Lebanon Trail they are a bit of an established program, not on the varsity level, but you know, in the with with the underclassmen and, and whatnot in the previous two years. But you know, they look good in their their season opener yeah. as well. So one and zero is one and zero, man. One and zero is one and zero. Frisco Reedy. <laughs> 
how oh, this man. is the weird thing about week one because man. you have to take all of these like there's no like level playing field in just who these teams are playing so it's tough to really extrapolate a ton because you know the context is different in every game um, yep. so you're not really sure if you know when you see some score that might jump off the page how much of it is one team and how much of it is another team because right. again it's a one game sample size it's ultimately tough to draw too too much but holy crap Reedy looked impressive against Plano West now I know what it is but I I don't really know much besides Plano West but about Plano West besides the 0 and 10 year last mm. year and then you know they were they got beat up on in 6-6A last year for obvious reasons but what do y'all think it was do y'all think it was more Plano West you know just still in that rebuilding stage or was it you think Reedy I think because you did you get to see Reedy play last year I think I, I did not did no. I, okay I thought you had no. yes but yeah, what do y'all think it is? A combination of the two? More yeah, more I think as always, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Reedy's a really, really good 5A program. I think they're going to have a lot of success um, this year. I, I, I think they're established. I mean, when you have a guy like Josh Foskey, it doesn't matter what level you're at. If you have a, a quarterback that has done this for years, knows your system, knows mm-hmm. your personnel, like, it, it's just it's the optimal way to start a high school football season is to be, you know, established and and have that kind of personnel. And West is kind of the opposite of that right now. They had a three-way um, competition for quarterback uh, heading into the season. I it looks like from the stats that Danny Davis got the start. Will Cannon played a little bit too. Um, Greg Drawn saw no action. Um, I think battling a little bit of an injury or or uh, potentially uh, something else, but just. It's it's like I said, it's a little bit of both. I think Reed is just a really good program. I think West is still trying to find its feet in a in a major way. Um, I think the West offense is trying to figure out its identity. Uh, I think they had a whopping eighteen rushing yards on like twenty some odd carries. So I mean that's that's not a good way to be competitive in a football game. And when you're trying to break in a new quarterback and and kind of lean on the passing game, um, if you don't have that that running game to balance it out, then you're, you're not going to go anywhere, and I think that's what happened. So, they, West was actually winning this game at one point. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, they got a big touchdown early on from Danny Davis to Cole Carter for 74 yards to put them up seven to six on Reedy. They were one point lead. They were down 41 to seven at the half. Yeah, I mean, just I we all picked play, uh, you know Frisco Reedy to win on the picket line, mm-hmm. but I'll admit, like I did not expect it to be just right. an absolute route like that. Yep. I, I hovered between you know we pick margins for mm-hmm. for. Some of our teams for our previews and 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 whatnot, and I think I had Reedy by seven. I flirted with Reedy by fourteen, but I did not really? expect I did not expect this amount of of uh, of beatdown that it ended up being. I wasn't expecting a beatdown, but I knew it wasn't going to be a one score game. Yeah, I, I think it's more of Reedy's that good. Yeah, I, I think that's what it really is. I think Reedy's going to win that district. I know when we did our district previews. I think they're going to be better than than Lovejoy and Lake Dallas. And you know, when you got like you mentioned, Josh Foskey, third year starter at quarterback, mm-hmm. he's probably the best athlete, one of the best athletes at the school. You know, male athletes there with Nolan Matthews and whatnot. You know, he's a starter on the baseball team. He's just a stud athlete, great kid, smart kid, great leader of that football team. Coach Chad Cole has just so many great things to say about him. There, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Reedy makes a deep playoff run this mm-hmm. year. So this is no. This is this isn't right. a fluke. I don't think it was just because Plano West is is really bad, or some people might say they're really bad. I, I don't know. I don't know much about Plano West to be in with, but I think it's more uh, the Lions just being that good. I think West has athletes, and I think that it's it's a case of um, not knowing what to expect early on, not being settled in at the quarterback position, 
and and just in general I think finding finding their footing. I yeah. think that it's just it's tough to start a season with that much uncertainty and you know plugging a new guy in um, and and going from there. Especially I mean Reedy's a five A team, but that's that's no slouch for an yeah. opener. I mean that's a that's a really good five A team. So it's it's. It's not expected, I guess, but it's it's tough to start a season that way when you don't know what and you just, have. Just sure that enrollment is not the end all be all. I would yeah. be fascinated yeah. to know what the disparity is between Plano West, the right. second largest high school in Texas, and Reedy, a five A. They're a five A. They're a Division two five A. They're a tiny five A. I think they're somewhere between eighteen hundred and nineteen hundred students yep. at Reedy. Yeah. yeah, enrollment and everything. And what's interesting is they played this game at Clark Stadium in Plano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't play this at the Star. You know, where Plano West is like, oh my gosh, you know, the jitters or even Toyota Stadium, big stadium. We're not used to this. Mm. Reedy's played there quite a bit. They played right in Plano West's backyard at Clark Stadium, yeah. so they had the, I guess, the home field advantage, and it didn't, it didn't help Plano West at all. There were a few other, um, you know, we talked about, you know, the the district title race in seven five A Division two between, you know, what Reedy, I think it might be the best. Lake Dallas, that, that and Lovejoy, sure. and all three of those teams really begin the year on an emphatic note. If you're going yep. to, you know, all three have high expectations for this season, so they all started off with blowout victories. And Denison and Princeton, I think they got big blowout wins too. Did they? I think I saw that too. So mm-hmm. you had five, you know, the top they five went, teams. They, yeah, I believe they went five and five and well, yeah. six and three, maybe. That's a nine team district, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So so I mean, yeah, you. I mean, Lake Dallas was able to get a you know a, an eighteen point win over a Denton school that they had lost to you know the last uh, you know the last couple of years. On the road. It was you know what forty six twenty eight, and the game mm-hmm. wasn't even that close. You know, Denton you know Denton got some uh, some mop up points there in the fourth quarter. Um, Lake Dallas's offense looked as advertised with Ryan Depperschmidt um, just going going bonkers. You know, yep. as usual as usual. <laughs> well, uh, well rounded game with the quarterback position. You got to see uh, you know Lovejoy mm-hmm. do its thing against Frisco Heritage, and Lovejoy yep. might have a pretty nice little uh, piece at running back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lovejoy has you know a, a couple pieces on on offense and defense, but um, I think that that you and I are, are probably going to go back and forth in this district and and who we think is going to win because Reedy looked great, but like we said, Lake Dallas and Lovejoy also looked great against Frisco Heritage. Lovejoy had um, 492 total yards, 311 yards on the ground. Um, Jahi Rainey, uh, their running back, went for 281 and and three touchdowns on the ground, and um, just. It, it was efficient. I think Lovejoy is a, a team that is very business-like. They're not going to blow you out with, with huge 70-yard passing plays. They're not going to do anything super flashy. But, but they have third-year starter Carson Collins back there, who's very mature, um, very good at running that offense. Uh, they have good pieces at receiver. Jacob Terwilliger um, is a nice piece out of receiver and a couple other guys. Jahi Rainey coming out of the backfield. And then when they hand the ball to Rainey, he's not a Kyron Cumbie type. He's not a, you know, hit the hole and, and explode and, and just blazing speed. He likes to mix it up and he likes, he's physical and, and he's just kind of one of those guys that, you know, he had 25 carries for 281. So he got 11 yards, and, you know, per carry and a lot of those were, were tough yards. He's not afraid to, to mix it up and, and like I said, I think Lovejoy's offense is just very, I don't want to say old school because I don't think any offense is, is old school anymore necessarily. Unless you're Frisco High School. Yeah, unless you're Frisco High School. But I think they're just, they're very balanced they're very mature. They're very good at doing what they do, and that comes with you know um, their their coaches in his third year, uh, Carson's in his third year, Rainey's in his th- like it, it's just a it's a collection of, of talent, but also just experience that I think has them um, uniquely positioned not to rely on on one person or, or one thing and just kind of good across the board. Um, yeah, so they they looked as advertised, and and obviously the it was kind of another case of they beat. Heritage forty two twenty six. It was 
not quite even that close. A lot of those were in garbage time and whatnot. But yeah. what was your takeaway from Heritage? They look pretty good, actually. I mean, it's I think Lovejoy is is just a more talented team and better. And, and Heritage has a lot of <laughs> moving parts early. Uh, Jason Falkenberry, his first year coming in. Um, Kenneth Gilchrist, his first year as head coach. So a lot of learning. They were missing uh, their leading rusher. Um, I remember his first name's Khalil. I can't. Khalil Harris. Yeah, they were missing him. He's hurt. Uh, so Cameron Rose had to start a quarterback. Had a respectable game. Seventeen carries for 114, two scores. Yeah, he played a lot like, last year. Like that's junior, that's, yeah. that's that's totally respectable. I think Falkenberry. He was 22 for 36 for 237 and a score. I mean, it wasn't the Heritage offense was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little sloppy in places, just just kind of getting used to uh, the scheme, getting used to the new quarterback, um, and obviously going up against Lovejoy. I mean, that's just a really good a really good program this year, and, and a program that I think could have you know, like you think about Reed, could have a, a pretty deep playoff run. But you know, as, as far as Heritage goes, their their duo in the backfield, even with Rose, looked you know respectable, totally fine. Um, it's it's tough to evaluate their defense when you give up you know 281 yards on the ground to one guy, um, but you know it's it's kind of like we talked about with West and Reedy is that is that you know column A of, of Jahi Rainey just being a freak or is that column B of Heritage's defense being soft up the middle? It, you know it's, it's tough to evaluate in one game, but I think overall that the Heritage will certainly be competitive and you know they have the the non district games and, and stuff to kind of get their feet. Um, set and, and get you know get what they want accomplished and, and before district starts. I think that they'll be competitive. I don't know if they're a postseason team or, or whatnot in their district, but I think they're competitive. And, and I was I was not surprised, but uh, you know they they had a better game than I think some people probably expected them to have against you know Lovejoy. The Colony had a you know they got a big win themselves. They beat North Crowley sixty-two to forty-nine. This was a game that did not go the Colony's favor last year. They had a rough time against uh, against Crowley. Um, what stuck out about this game is we had um, one of the most just impressive individual statistical performance uh, performances of the of the week. I mean, I shouldn't say just one because both of their running backs, Jaden Abdal and Miles Price, they were both very impressive. Abdal had two hundred and eight rushing yards and three touchdowns. Miles Price, though, get this. 323 total yards of offense and six touchdowns. <laughs> that rushing duo is going to be a problem. Yeah. In 5-5-A. That, like, I know a lot of teams are, are worried, a lot of coaching staffs mm-hmm. in Frisco are worried about that, that rushing duo. In, in oh, yeah. I mean, it's the colony. You yeah. know that they're going to have a strong run game every year. And this, I mean, yeah, with Price and Abdallah, I mean, it is it is just typical old uh, typical old the colony. Yeah, Price yeah. had, uh, showcasing his versatility, he had two rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns, and a kickoff return touchdown of, I want to say, 90 yards. So uh, a very impressive note for uh, for the Cougars. It's one of those teams that could uh, very well vie for that uh, for that district title out in 5-5A Division One. Brian, was there anything else in your neck of the woods? Well, another can? team, you know, that's fighting for a potential district title or mm-hmm. you know a top spot in the in the playoff picture in five five A is Little Elm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you mentioned mo- monster performances. Brandon Crossley, who just officially committed to SMU uh, a couple weeks ago, he had a monster performance of his own. He had a punt return for a touchdown. He had an interception, and he caught a touchdown on offense. And <laughs> I talked to Coach Brown earlier today. He told me that when they on a fumble. When Crossy was playing on offense, someone else fumbled. They returned it. Crossy chased down that guy, poked the ball out, goes to the back of the end zone. Little him gets the ball back for a touchback. <laughs> so he made four monster plays, you know, in one game. You know, I mean, now you got to think. Okay, a lot of teams might not be throwing to him as much now. They have some film, but even though you should already know who Brandon Crossley is, but you know, he had a monster performance in a double overtime loss to Justin Northwest, who is a, a really, really good team uh, in five A. Uh, you know, Little had this game. They were they were up late, 
or they, they actually had to climb back into this game, I should say. Uh, they fell behind early, fourteen nothing, and then you know slow starts is something that they can't they can't do, especially against you know a team like Northwest, especially when they get playing the Lone Star and and, mm-hmm. and the Colony and Wakeland and stuff like that. But you know I'm, I'm I'm mad at myself that I didn't <laughs> I didn't make it out to this game, a double overtime game to start the year. Always uh, always is fun. Um, we've already talked six A, but we'd be remiss to not mention Prosper making its six A debut and doing so in very very impressive fashion. Prosper had no trouble against uh, Neiman Forest, a game that was played on Saturday out at the New McKinney ISD Stadium. It looks like they led this one at the half, thirty four to seven, and just kind of cruised from there. Forty eight to fourteen was the final. We talked about um, you know during our preview podcast. Fortunately, yeah, you weren't here for this, Brian, but I you know was discussing the uh, the year of Keegan Shoemaker and just how big that's going to be mm-hmm. for Prosper when you look at um just kind of how uh, up and down his uh, his junior season was. He closed the year, though, on such a strong note that um, if that was the version of Keegan Shoemaker that Prosper was going to get this season, that it could, you know, it could mean a very successful debut into, uh, you know, into 6A for um, for the Eagles. And sure enough, you look at his numbers, um, 10 of 12, you know, 83, uh, 83% completion percentage, 208 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, it doesn't get much, more, you know, much, much better than that against a team like, uh, you know, Neyman Forrest, which should be one of the better teams, I would say, in 10-6A. Um, but a team that I think the expectation going in was that if Prosper is what the you know a lot of preseason pundits you know have kind of expected, where that is a team that could finish as high as you know third place, second place in the district if things go well for them, mm-hmm. then you should take care of business against Naaman Forest. And sure enough, they uh, they did just that. Mm-hmm. Now, lastly, another team that took care of business to start the year that's high, highly ranked mm-hmm. in 5A. Going back to 5A real quick is Lone Star. Yeah, they didn't give up a touchdown in this game. They gave up a safety in the third quarter when the game was already well decided. Oh my, wow, they went through that score. <laughs> yeah, forty-two to two. Uh, Lone Star beat Richland. Um, you know, they went through a couple quarterbacks. You know, Coach Rayburn told me, you know, a week before the season started, they were, they were you know, on a quarterback carousel also mm-hmm. with Julian Larry, who started every game at quarterback last year, and Grant Hardy, who started at JV uh, as the JV quarterback last year. They both threw a touchdown. They both saw playing time. Larry played much more, significantly more. Yeah, he had he was 11 for 16, 133 yards, two touchdowns. No turnovers in this game uh, for Lone Star. Their defense looked dominant uh, as it has been in the last few years, despite graduating. You know, Noah Velser and Nick Bolton, two guys that are playing uh, big time college football right now. But you know, this this Lone Star team, they they look like they are still the real deal, even without the two guys I just mentioned and MJ Rivers yeah. and Curry Bennett. All of those guys, they look like they're just plugging in the pieces. You know, right where they need to be. You know, to be a top five state ranked team. All righty, that's so that's a good look at, uh, at some uh, some initial takeaways from classes six uh, A and five A. Sorry we couldn't get to every school that we cover. Well, it's a long season. We'll touch on everybody at some point. <laughs> um, so that'll uh, yeah, that'll do it for this edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. Uh, Brian Taylor Justin, appreciate y'all for tagging along. We'll be back on Thursday to discuss our game of the week plus some other marquee matchups on the docket for week two, folks. You enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to y'all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. Performance Food Group delivers more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. If you want to get in on that process, PFG just might have a spot for you. Their McKinney office is currently hiring. Job openings include Class A CDL drivers and warehouse order selectors, as well as many other entry and part-time positions. An ideal choice for college students or people just wanting to find new careers in general. Uh, for more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers.
careers for more job openings. If you prefer to contact them by phone, you can call at 214-491-3130 for more details. Once again, that is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.